It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today's show is all about communication styles and understanding what your style is. Now, communication styles, these are different than personality profiles. Perhaps you've done Strength Finders or through Clifton Gunderson or Disc Profile or Berkman or one of those types of tests, Enneagram even. These are all wonderful tests and they tell you a lot about you, how you show up, uh, your, your quirks, your personalities, maybe your strengths and your weaknesses. And so that is a great place to go. These communication styles are a little bit different. One, they're very simple. So one of the things in, in some of the personality styles is that you can get into a lot of different categories or iterations. And so it can be hard to pull those up in one minute and saying, okay, this is what I am and this is what you are and this is how we work together. And here's where we have our challenges and our tension points. And so what I really like about the communication styles is that it's a very, full, very simple four quadrant analysis of how we communicate, how we like to be communicated. So one of the, the sessions that I often give, so I facilitate, I do a lot of speaking and facilitation for companies and organizations. And one of them that I do is called communicate to be heard. And here's what I say about this. is that 75% of the words that come out of your mouth, they fall flat on the ground. Like you may as well have never said them because they just, they fall flat on the ground. Nobody can hear them or pick them up. The challenge is we don't know which 75% of the words are wasted. And the 75% depends on the person that you're talking to. So if I'm talking to, you're listening to this now, you may hear what I'm saying, but then another person doesn't hear it. So you may hear, you'll hear your 25%. Another person will hear their 25%, which may or may not be the same thing which means that when we talk, we get to use all four of these quadrants. It means that I get to flex how I'm speaking so that you and everyone else that's listening can hear. And once you master the art of flexing into all of these quadrants, that's when you can be a master communicator. That's when people can hear you. That's when you can build deep relationships. So talk about it in the workplace or at home. This works either way. One of my favorite things when I'm speaking about this topic is that I often use references of things that happen at home because they're so much easier to relate to. I'll share with you an example later that has to do with how we load the dishwasher or how we do laundry. How we do those things is exactly the same as how we show up at work. Isn't that crazy? And there's a distinction that in the leadership world, we say how you do anything is how you do everything. And that's what we're talking about. How you do anything is how you do everything, which means we can have a really fun conversation about a dishwasher. And yet I can understand from that conversation, from how you load the dishwasher or don't load the dishwasher, I can understand how you show up in meetings at work. I can understand how you create assignments at work. And when, if you're a person that gets them on a deadline or you're always skating under the finish or you just blow off the finish. You don't renegotiate deadlines. I can tell all of that based on a conversation about how you load the dishwasher. And it's not that I'm psychoanalyzing you. It's that we can understand how we show up anywhere is how we show up everywhere. So we just bring this conversation into a fun place where we all can enjoy having it and we'll learn a lot. 
Now this conversation, what I'm gonna teach you here over the next 50 minutes is actually the cornerstone of how you connect with people, how you can build deep relationships. Now people that have learned this and really mastered style flexing have been able to repair relationships that they thought were not repairable, have been able to, to take on jobs and promotions that they never thought possible for them, have been able to work with people that they didn't want to work with because they were so unlike them. They triggered them so much. They made them angry or sad or whatever that is. So there is tremendous power in understanding these communication styles. So we are going to start out today and we're going to talk about the communication styles, the four different communication styles. The first one being the promoters. Okay. So of these four communication styles, the first one is promoters. Now promoters, they're like your cheerleaders. They like things upbeat. So hear my voice, it's rising. I'm excited, I'm speaking with passion because that's how promoters wanna hear things. If you slow it down, if your energy drops, promoters get bored. They do not like long pauses in words. Pauses are uncomfortable. The promoters right now, if you're saying, Kathleen, pick up the pace, come on, this is painful. That may be a sign that you're a promoter. If now that I'm talking in this voice and I'm getting more excited, you're saying, oh, finally, come on. Like, yes, move forward. This might be a sign that you're a promoter. Promoters typically enjoy roles that involve a lot of interaction with People. They crave people. We want to be around people. We like social activities or, or being in the center of attention often. Now, the pandemic hit and we all were at home for a period of time. The promoters suffered greatly because the promoters wanted to be around other people and wanted to be interactive. Now, oftentimes with a the promoter, they speak really, really fast. And so sometimes it's great if you can pause or you can reduce the speed. So if a promoter records something, like there's tools out there like WhatsApp or Voxer, these are online tools for communication. Oftentimes when a promoter speaks, if they're speaking into some kind of recorded fashion to anybody else, like some of these other quadrants we're gonna discuss, it's really great if a promoter can record their message in a fashion where it can be slowed down because oftentimes their speed gets going so fast because they're so passionate about what they wanna share that others can't hear and digest at that pace. So using tools that can slow down their pace is very helpful. Now promoters tend to be flashy. They like the really nice clothes. They want to be seen. So that's a promoter. The second category, this is supporters. Now, supporters are the people that they embrace you. They want to give you the big hug. They see you. They're the people that maybe you haven't seen for three years, but they remember every single detail like it was yesterday. They have ingrained themselves in the world around them. Now, typically you see supporters in more HR roles, or uh, they can be absolutely in in wonderful leadership roles, supporters make really great leaders because they see and hear the people around them. They understand their gifts and it is their driving mission to get people to play at their highest. Now, supporters can also be seen as doormats because supporters oftentimes forget about themselves. 
They're so busy focusing on other people and how other people can grow that they forget to take care of themselves. Now, while the promoters are often flashy, the supporters are more of the khaki and polo kind of style. So they don't necessarily care about the big brands or looking the fanciest. They're the people that would rather, if they had an extra $5, would they spend it on themselves or would they feed the homeless? So think about the supporters in that they are constantly focused on other people. So supporters are really important. All of these are important. And another thing to note is that we all are all of these. So if you're saying, oh, I am not a supporter, you absolutely are a supporter. You are a promoter. You are these two others that I'm going to describe to you. But you are more of two of these than you are of the other two. There's one that's going to stick out as the highest. There's one that's going to stick out as the highest. So you don't want to look at supporters and say, I'm not that. And oftentimes people perceive supporters as weak. Supporters are not weak. Supporters are actually very powerful when they stand in their power. So those are supporters. Then we've got the analyzers. Now, analyzers are really focused on the details. Analyzers like to go at a slower pace so that they can absorb and think. Analyzers are often up in their heads. Where promoters play in their hearts, supporters play in their hearts, analyzers are in their heads. Analyzers want to focus on budgets and timelines. Analyzers crave detail. When you tell an analyzer that you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, the analyzer wants to know exactly when. They're checking their watch, saying she showed up on time or she didn't show up on time. This is a very black and white world for the analyzers. Now, because analyzers crave this slower pace, they often hear promoters going so fast and they can't understand them. Promoters can overwhelm analyzers. So oftentimes, if you're speaking to an analyzer, you want to slow down your tone of voice. And even though you want to be passionate and excited, you can still be that, but you get to be even. Because if a controller, or sorry, if an analyzer senses that you are fluctuating in your energy levels, they won't trust you. So make sure that you're grounded when you're talking to an analyzer, meaning that your tone is even. Because that is where an analyzer can trust. An analyzer can then open up if they sense trust. So if you want to develop trust very quickly, you could develop rapport with an analyzer, slow down, be consistent in your communication, and use a lot of facts and figures. So if you say, when I say 75% of the words that I say fall on deaf ears, we're just not sure which 75% because it depends on the four quadrants. And there is an assessment tool that you can use to determine which of these, these quadrants are highest for you. These four quadrants drive how you communicate and how you receive communication. I specifically put percentages in there and I list the four quadrants because that's how analyzers think and feel. If I just would have said, there's this really cool assessment tool and it's awesome and we've got these four different styles, come learn it. I gave no candy to the analyzer, no analyzer candy for them to get excited about this languaging. So I get to use specific data or facts and figures. If I said, according to Harvard Business Review, 76% of managers have no idea how to utilize communication styles 
in their work, which is a true statement, 76%. There's also a study done by McKinsey and Company that said that in this, they, they interviewed 5,000 different managers. And they asked these managers, how many of you think that you are great at managing people? Now, 96% reported that they were great at managing people. So then the next part of the study, they went to the people that these managers were leading and said, how many of you believe that your manager is great at leading you? Well, guess what that statistic was? That statistic said that 34% of the people that were being led by these managers reported that they, that they felt that these managers were actually able to lead. So there was a significant gap between how managers perceived their ability to lead and how the employees perceived their manager's ability to lead. Big gap there. Now, hear how I said that. I said that in a way that the analyzers got to hear it. The analyzers got to listen to the comments, listen to the facts. And if you noticed, I put pauses, intentional pauses. Analyzers appreciate that. But now if I was going to say that exact same thing and I'm talking to my promoters, here's how it would sound. Hey, guess what? So McKinsey, this company who does all kinds of studies, here's how they did it. They did it. They went to 5,000 people and they said, hey, do you think you're a good leader? 96% said yes. Can you believe that? But then they went to their employees and they said, who actually thinks they're good? And guess how many said yes? Only 34%. Wow. Boom. Such a gap. Do you see that? We believe we're great leaders, but our people don't think so. Wow. Boom. Lots of booms. Lots of booms. So hear that difference in the tone and in how fast I talk. I took out the pauses for my promoters. Now, my supporters here, they're asking the question in relation to that survey, wow, those are crazy numbers. I wonder how that makes those people feel. And so they're going into those emotion sets. So promoters, supporters, and analyzers, these are all very important pieces to the quadrant. And there's one more. There's one really important quadrant. And now, now when I say really important, I mean, these are all really important. There is not one that is more important than the other. There is not one that's good and another that's bad. It's not like if you're a supporter, you say, oh, she's a supporter. He's a supporter. That's not the case. These are all really valuable. So before I reveal what that one is, we are going to go on a quick break and when we get back, we'll reveal the fourth quadrant. We've got our promoter, supporter, and analyzer. We'll reveal the fourth quadrant. So enjoy this quick break. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. 
Email become a host at inspirechoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Today, we're talking about communication styles. What is yours? We've talked about promoters. We've talked about supporters. We've talked about analyzers. Those are our first three of the four communication styles. The fourth communication style is the controller. Now, the controller is wonderful at moving things forward. If I say to a controller, hey, I want you to go figure out $1 million in sales, like land it, you have 24 hours, let's go. Before I get to let's go, the controller has already thought in their head, here are the three people that I'd call, let's make it happen, let's go. And they're on it. So the controller is driving and moving things forward. The controller is the person that you go to when you want to make a change. When you want to move something forward, they're the ones that are in your court. They are always in motion. They can often burn other people out because the controllers are so set on this is how it's going to look. Oftentimes, a controller can get so focused that they might lose sight of the bigger picture. They can be focused on a mechanism of it has to look this way. The controller is focused on being right. In a controller's world, there is right and there is wrong. Controllers can often be judgmental. Now, sometimes this can serve them well. If you've ever seen the movie Up in the Air, Tom Hanks says in that movie, he says, I don't judge. I just look for the best opportunity. He's getting ready to board on a plane and he goes into this plane. This is the most uh, anti-diversity line in this entire movie, probably <laughs> in cinema in, during that time period. But he looks around at the different gates, uh, the security gates, and he says, Chinese, no, too slow. Family with little kids, no, too slow. And he says, I'm profiling to see which lane is going to be the fastest to get into. So he says, I'm not judging, but that is a, a great description of a controller. A controller is always using judgment in a way that's going to serve them, perhaps those around them if they ask. But controllers can also be seen as lone wolves, which means they like to play alone. So it's not that they can't lead a team or be with others and bring others along. It's just not where their head is. They have, to, they have to think about bringing other people along. So when you have a controller leading a team, oftentimes they still want to be the shining star or the superstar. They're so used to it being about number one that their next level of growth is about leading a team. And the struggle could be giving up being number one and realizing that being number one now doesn't mean that me, myself, and I reach all the goals. It's that I am supporting my team in reaching all of the goals. So coming alongside a controller and allowing them to see the strengths of other people. Now, if you drew an X on a piece of paper, more like a plus, a plus sign, okay? If you had promoter, supporter, controller, and analyzer, promoter would be in your upper left quadrant. Supporter would be in your upper right quadrant. Analyzer would be in your lower right quadrant. And controller would be in your lower left quadrant. And why this is important is because the quadrant that's opposite of where you are is a great stretch for you. So what is opposite of a controller? It's a supporter. What is opposite of a promoter? It's an analyzer. So a controller oftentimes thinks that a supporter who is completely opposite of them, that they are weak. 
They would not want to be seen as a supporter because a supporter in their eyes does not move things forward. A supporter sits around and talks about what it could possibly be like someday where a controller is already out the door to accomplish the task. But when you flip that around, a supporter thinks that a controller is harsh. A supporter thinks that a controller doesn't care about people, only cares about numbers. Now I was working with a company and said, we keep flipping through HR people. We have an HR person, then they leave or they stay. And we find that people don't like them. They, they feel like they're not heard or seen. And then our employees end up leaving. We just haven't figured out the person that would be great for that role. So we looked at some of the hires that they typically had in that role. And it turns out they were hiring somebody in, in the past. They were filling that HR role with a big controller. So a very strong controller personality. And what they were getting the feedback was that the, the team didn't really feel heard. The employees didn't feel seen. Because a controller, that's not their strength. But a supporter shines in that area. So typically what you see in the HR role is you see somebody that's more of a supporter because they want to they want to lead people. They want to support them. They want to really look into what's their best interest and support them in growth. And so you can really look at some of these positions within your company and say, well, what would be the best fit for that role? So that's where controllers and supporters often have power struggles is in controllers looking at the numbers over, meaning we've got a task to accomplish. Come on, we got these numbers to hit. We've got this deadline to hit. Where supporters are saying, I hear you and I get that, but let's not burn out our people in the meantime. Come on, think about the people. And if it came down to really impacting the people and hitting the numbers, the supporter would pick the people, the, the controller would pick hitting the numbers. And so it's not a right or a wrong here. It's just about what our outlook is and understanding where the come from is of yourself and of the people around you. Because when you understand that, then you can meet them where they are. But if you don't understand where you are and where someone else is, then you can't possibly meet them where they are. So then we've got the analyzer and the promoter. So the promoter, when the promoter comes off as a true promoter, really excited, the analyzer tends to shut down, tends to hide, tends to put up that wall because they don't trust promoters. But when a promoter sees an, sees an analyzer, they are so bored. An analyzer stops talking to think and a promoter says, this person must be done talking and hops right in. And so there are opportunities for promoters and analyzers to improve on their communication and to build trust and rapport. So one thing that a promoter can do when they're around an analyzer, again, slow down, can use the language of the, to the analyzer when they're talking, are you complete? So where they hear a pause, it doesn't mean that that person is done talking, it just means that that person may be pausing to think about something in their head because that's where analyzers go often. Now, I have more of a, a, a promoter in me, a higher level promoter than my husband. My husband has a higher level of analyzer than me. One of the things that we've noticed is I'll ask my husband a question and he'll say, I'll get back to you on that. Now I'm thinking 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. He'll get back to me. But on average, it's about two days. And then two days later from when I asked the question, he'll say, hey, Kathleen, blah, 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 here's the answer. And I do not remember asking the question because it was 48 hours ago. 
I've gone to the bathroom, I've taken a shower, I've worked, I've taken kids to school, I've picked them up, we've made dinner, we've packed lunches. All this life has happened in 48 hours. I don't remember asking the question, but in my husband's head, it's as crystal clear as if I had just asked that question two seconds before. Because in his mind, he, he was thoughtful and processed it. And he came out with this answer that he had really spent a lot of time on. He doesn't understand why I'm so cavalier about it. And in his mind, he says, Kathleen, ask fewer questions so that you'll remember the question. And I'm saying, Josh, pick up your processing speed. Come on, let's go. Now, where this became a problem for us is when Josh made himself wrong for not playing at the pace that I do. Josh is not wrong for playing at the pace that he does. And I am not wrong for playing at the pace that I do. But what worked for us after many years of exploring this, so I'm going to give you the solution that worked for us so that you don't have to have the challenges that we've had in figuring this out. It, we spent a lot of time really understanding that that was a trigger. I would get frustrated because it seemed like he was ignoring my questions. And he would get frustrated because he wanted me to honor the time that it took to respond. Now, I understand if I ask a really big question, a question that requires a lot of thought, that it's going to take a period of time. But to my husband, all questions are that way. I mean, anything that requires any sort of thought gets the thought, the time that it deserves to be answered. So that became a challenge in our marriage. But what happened was when we honored that questions could take longer than 20 minutes to answer. And so we were specific about when we'd like to hear the answer. So I would say, when would be a good time for us to discuss this question? So that way he's got a clear mindset because I come into a room wanting to talk and he, he might have 15 other things he's doing in that moment. And so first I got to understand as the promoter that my question may not be the most important thing on his to-do list in that moment to stop everything and listen to me. So I first had to ask him, do you have a moment to talk? I have a question for you and I would like an answer. And so then he could say now or five minutes from now or three days from now or whenever. So first I set the pretense. Then I would ask the question. No buildup, no long story. He didn't need to know the backstory. He just wanted the question. And then once he knew the question, then if he wanted backstory, I could listen to questions that he would ask and give him backstory that was appropriate. Another huge learning. Promoters want to tell you the whole story, but that's not always necessary. So then once he knew the question and he knew the backstory, then he would give me a time estimate as to when he might have an answer. And I got to respect that. Now, sometimes I write down my question so that when he's ready to give me the answer, I haven't forgotten it because I tend to just move on. I move at a very quick pace. And so that is one way that promoters and analyzers can really work together. Now, like I said, we all have all of these, promoter, analyzer, controller, and supporter. but we use two more than the other two. So there is an assessment. If you're interested in actually looking at the assessment on this, shoot me a note, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. We can talk about the assessment and you can get the assessment to do and see where you fall on the assessment. That being said, based on the descriptions that I gave you, I would guess you have a pretty clear idea of where you fall. What I see the most often of any of these, if you think about mislabeling. So promoters generally are spot on. If they think they're a promoter, you're probably a promoter. If you think you're an analyzer, you're probably an analyzer. If you're wondering about this, go ask somebody that knows you really well. They'll tell you what you are. 
If you think you're a supporter, you're probably a supporter. The area that I see mislabeled the most is people that think they're controllers. And why I see this mislabeled the most is because we live in a world that celebrates driving. And I don't mean driving a car. I mean, we celebrate driven people. We are very results oriented. So we put people on a pedestal that create incredible results fast. People that make a bunch of money, people that drive fancy cars, people that wear flashy clothes. And hear, hear how I'm, when I'm talking, I am being more forceful with my language. That's total controller ways to speak. And so we tend to value controllers more than we value in society. We tend to value controllers more than we value the other quadrant areas. Now, it's simply not true as far as what their actual value is. It's just that we place more value in, in the results that a controller can create. And so in that case, when especially at work, but we see, I see it in personal relationships as well, that we tend to slip into the controller space more than any of the other roles. So I see a lot of supporters that show up as controllers, but a great way to know if you are truly playing and working in the quadrant area that best supports you is to look at how tired you are at the end of the night. If you put a full day of work in and you are exhausted, and this is on the daily, like this is not just one day or you had a special assignment and you're exhausted. I mean, if every day you're coming home exhausted, you are probably playing in a role that is, you know, probably you are playing in a role that is not indicative to your natural style. So think about the example I gave you with the HR director who was a controller, but they didn't have somebody that's really a supporter. A controller will get eaten alive in that role because they'll constantly get feedback that they need to be softer. And to a controller, that's very painful. But a supporter who's in a sales role will be exhausted because they constantly are driving forward to meet budgets and timelines. And that's exhausting. A project manager in a controller that's, that's is a controller role, so a supporter in a project manager role, oftentimes will have that same struggle. And so if you find yourself exhausted at the end of the night, it's a pretty good indicator that you're not in the role that is a best fit for you. So think about that. We're going to go on a quick break. And while we're on that break, I want you to think about what style you believe you are. So think about that. Pick the one that is the highest for you. Don't worry about your secondary right now. Just pick the one that you think is the highest for you. You're listening to The Kathleen Recent Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We'll be back after this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Recent Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Recent Show. Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Now, we've been talking today about communication styles, which are you? And I've revealed the four different communication styles, promoter, supporter, controller, and analyzer. And I've shared with you some different ways that each quadrant likes to hear and think and believe and feel. Now, when you're speaking, so if you're like me and you speak a lot for a living, and this is this is what you do, then when you speak, you actually want to go into each of the quadrants. So when I speak, I'm constantly going promoter, supporter, controller, analyzer, promoter, supporter, controller, analyzer. So it might sound like, and this is so exciting because this topic is happening. This is for real. 75%, 23 out of 30. Now, I'm just giving you an example of what it may feel like. What it may feel like. Really reach into your heart. And I'm going to stop my example because the words that I gave you were so irrelevant. It wasn't about the words. It was about how I landed the words. So there were pieces where I gave specific breaks within the words. There were times where I was very focused on making sure that it landed. So I had that tension points with the words. There was a time where I went into really feeling that emotion and then that excitement and that passion so that you're reaching out to each level of your audience, then you're constantly shifting. So when you listen to a really great speaker, they can follow all four of those quadrants and they're constantly meeting each of those quadrants where they are. So that that person in that audience can hear themselves in your language. So promoter, supporter, controller, analyzer. What does a promoter want? What does a supporter want? What does a controller want? What does an analyzer want? That's constantly what's going through our heads. Well, the more that you practice this, the more that it becomes natural. Because I, when I talk, I don't think promoter, supporter, controller, analyzer anymore. I know that when I'm a promoter, I get to be up here. I get to be excited. And if you'll hear at the end of my shows, that's where it goes. But I've had analyzers say to me, Kathleen, I love listening to your shows, but I listen to your shows at 0.5 pace, or I go and rewind your shows because I want to make sure I don't miss the information. Now, in my shows, I tend to pack a lot of information into my shows where somebody that has a higher level of analyzer than me may cover just one topic. They may do an entire show just on controllers and how to relate to controllers. And so they're going to drill really, really deep on one topic. And it's going to be slower. If you ever heard an analyzer talk, they have beautiful PowerPoints that drag on. There's 300 slides. And every word that they present is up on the slide. You know who I'm talking about. You've seen these. But the controller says, you don't need slides. You listen to my voice. I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. So they may have slides, but there are only maybe one word on them. And it's maybe an image with a picture. You've seen Uncle Sam. He's pointing his finger at you. And you feel, you feel like you've done something wrong, but you don't really know. Because the controller is just going to drive that information and shove it down your throat. And you're going to get it. Now, I'm using exaggerations here, but that's you've seen those presentations too. And then there's the supporter who never gets past slide five. They spent so much time on slides one through four that by the time they got to slide five, they ran out of time and you never get to six through 30. The promoter, the promoter didn't even remember their computer. Or maybe they brought their computer, but the charger is at home. 
They forgot components. They don't have a USB disk. They didn't email you. They just showed up because they were so excited about being with you and being in the moment that, that they completely forgot their PowerPoint. And they did it off the cuff. Did they practice? Maybe, but they know material so well, they'll just go and deliver it. So that is, there's nothing wrong with any of those. But think about this. I actually think about what style you are. And now I'm going to relate it to that, to how we load the dishwasher. So one of my favorite conversations when I am presenting in front of an audience about this topic, I'll say, okay, tell me, and I'll pick somebody from the audience. I'll say, tell me about how you load the dishwasher. Okay. And there's either person A or person B. <laughs> you are either person A or you are person B. There is that, let's just say we're in a partnership relationship, partner A, partner B. Now, one of those people are going to be in my audience, but because I'm asking somebody to raise their hand and self-identify, typically it's partner A. So I'm going to describe partner A for you. Partner A is the one that you think has, like they invented the dishwasher. They know the right and the wrong way to load the dishwasher. So it is very clear to them when someone else, partner B, enters the equation and does it wrong. Partner A either is going to tell you that you're doing it wrong, or partner A is going to be coy about it, what they believe is coy, so that when you leave the room, they're just going to redo your work. So partner A knows that this is how you load the dishwasher. Now, partner B has been in relationship with partner A for so long that partner B is finally like, whatever, just load the dishwasher. What do you want me to do? You know what to do. I clearly am inefficient at loading the dishwasher. So just tell me how it works. Now, you are either partner A or you are partner B. There are very few people in the world that are something other than that. Now, if you're listening and you're saying, oh, but what about partner C? There's a partner C. You're probably a controller. <laughs> That's a really good indicator controller. But partner A typically has a lot more controller. Now, this is we can do the same thing with the laundry. Is there a right way to load the laundry? Is there a right way to fold the laundry? The people that are saying, yes, there is only one way and no one in my family knows this. You're also partner A. And if you're the one that says, my partner has just told me how to do it, and it may not be the way that I really want to do it, but you know what? It makes my partner happy. And so I do it that way. Your partner B. Partner B, the one that is flexing to support partner A, typically falls in the supporter category. So remember how we said supporter and controller are opposite of each other? This is where you really see it. Now, the person that says, well, I've calculated the way to lo load the dishwasher and there's actually 32 ways. And the way that you said is one of those 32 ways, but I mean, I will roll with it. Okay. You're an analyzer. And if you're the person that's saying, why don't we just use paper plates? Like, let's stop having this conversation about dishes. Who needs a dishwasher? Because we could solve this with plasticware and paper plates. Like, come on, let's just move on. <laughs> Probably more of a promoter. <laughs> with a little bit of controller there, but you're looking at promoters do a great job of saying, let's just get out of the pain. Come on, let's get out of the pain and move forward. This isn't fun, let's move forward. That's a typical promoter. So how you load the dishwasher is so indicative of how you show up in the world, what your style is. Remember how I said how you show up anywhere is how you show up everywhere? Yes, I totally mean that. So now let's look at this in the work world. Now some of you have dishwashers at work, so that makes it even more exciting. Actually, let's, before I even go there, I'm going to tie this in one more piece. I'm giving this presentation on Communicate to be Heard. I'm giving this up in South Dakota about a year ago. So just <laughs> had a great time. We had this conversation. We really dug into the meaning of how we load the dishwasher. 
and there was a cameraman who was recording it and we were live casting to the people that couldn't be in the audience. And so it was a hybrid event, virtual and in person. And at the very end, the cameraman, he comes up to me and he says, well, I didn't want to say anything, but I was a dishwasher repairman for years. And uh, that is none of them said the appropriate way to load a dishwasher. How you actually do it is you put your dish in and let's say it's a bowl. It's going one way and then you skip a row and then you put another bowl in and it's facing the other way. And you do that all the way through your dishes. And I looked at this man. And I said, what you're telling me is that my family of five, we would have to load the dishwasher and run it after every meal if we use your process. I said, well, yeah, I mean, that's the appropriate way. It's not the way that everybody uses, but that is the way. If you want the ideal dishwashing experience, that's how you would do it. Now, I'm not judging the experience. I am loving that he brought this up to me. And I said, thank you for sharing. Now, my husband, who everybody else had left, it was just the cameraman, he and me, he and myself, he had traveled with me for this experience. He doesn't always, but this was, of course, he was there. So he comes up to me afterwards and he goes, that guy is full of it. That is not how you load the dishwasher. So let me ask you a question. Who is partner A and who is partner B? It's so beautiful how this all works. How you show up anywhere is how you show up everywhere. So this is how you can go home and you can analyze this and say, wow, am I partner A or am I partner B? What is this telling me about me? Now take this into the office because this is what is so brilliant. When I say how you show up anywhere is how you show up everywhere, this is what I mean. Now, how do you think that analyzers want to communicate information? They're not the ones that are holding big meetings. They're the ones that write the long email. I'm not talking a screen. I'm talking like six screens worth. You're scrolling for days reading through their emails because they want to convey all of the information that is in their mind to you. And so they have written it bullet point by bullet point by bullet point by bullet point. You really have all of the details you could possibly need because an analyzer has now presented this to you. Now, how would a promoter want to convey information? They would say, hey, let's just gather everybody in the building up for a meeting. Anybody that could possibly need to know this information. Yes, yes, that person that is in charge of cleaning our street, bring them in. They might need to know our information. We never know. The person that delivers our lunch, bring them in. Yep, okay, awesome. Bring them in. Anybody that could possibly, let's just bring them into a meeting. This will be great. The supporter says, oh, it's okay. I will just go tell everybody one-on-one. -on -one. It's, it's cool. It'll take me a week to get to my department and you know, a month to get to the whole company. But that's cool because I'm going to make sure that they all hear my message. I give them time to understand their questions and really answer them. So I'm going to communicate my message that way. And the controller, well, they don't communicate the message. They've already moved forward. And oftentimes with the controller in the communication space, you may get a one-line note you may get a, a quick update in a meeting, but the controller often forgets to bring other people along with their communication. So the controller, it's not because they don't want to share the information. They just often forget that they have to share it with other people so that they know where they're at too. Remember, controllers like to run alone. So you can tell how people communicate, how they're, they're giving you signs all day long of their communication style. And now that you know the four styles, it's really easy to pick up where somebody might fit. So, oh, the person that sends the really lengthy emails in incredibly excruciating detail, yeah, they're probably an analyzer. 
the one that is hopping around wearing the wild clothes, can't ever get them pigeonholed, but they're, they're always out to lunch, they're networking, they're probably promoter. The one that is always talking about results and driven to the bottom line, that you have to drill down, you have to really hold them back to get details and to bring everybody along with them, probably a controller. And the one that really just gets you and is more soft-spoken, supporter. Now, all of these, again, let me emphasize, these are all really, really important. There is not one that is better than the other. An ideal team has a makeup of all of these. It's really important that teams have all of these because as I give you, gave you in that HR example where we had somebody that was a heavy controller in more of that supporter atmosphere, when you don't have all of these represented from your team, you have a hole. And when you have a hole, something or someone has to fill it, which means someone else is flexing into that. And remember what we said about when you flex all day long into another category, it's exhausting. And that's how we get to burnout. We could spend the next hour just on burnout. But right there, that's the crux of why burnout happens. Okay, guys, we're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we'll tie this all together. Thank you, friends, for being here. We'll see you here in just a little bit. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about communication styles. What is yours? And my intention for today was that you would understand what your style is. Remember, you have all four of these, but pick out your most predominant style and then look at your second one. What would those be? What are your two weakest areas? Now, once you pick your, your most prominent style, if that's promoter for you, my invitation to you is to actually stretch into the other one for a bit. Analyzer, if it's promoter, guess what? This week, my challenge for you this week is that you don't get to plan the party. You don't get to plan things. You actually get to zip your lips and listen because the people around you, they've got a lot to say, but you, my friend, you are an incredible being that takes up a lot of space and there is nothing wrong with that. And you get to let other people shine. So your job this week is to be quiet and let other people plan something. So you are not the one that is getting everyone together. So perhaps you say, hey, our challenge this week, we get to all go to lunch together or we get to have a party on Zoom, whatever that looks like for your environment. And uh, my stretch is that I can't plan it. And so would somebody else be willing to do it? And I will attend it. And that will be really hard for you to not know all, get at the details and be inviting and talking about it all the time. But you get to just listen, really listen. You could be in charge of the budget. If there's a budget, that's okay. But you get to shut your mouth. So hear that. And that's your stretch for the week. So if you are a supporter you, your, my invitation this week is that you get to be in the driven space. You get to be moving things forward. You get to have a big goal that gets to happen. So pick one, pick anything that you want that's, that's really seems very hard for you and say, by next Monday, this is happening. 
and then tell people about it so that they can be accountable. And then make it happen, which will be super fun for you. If you're an analyzer, you're going to find that promoter and you're going to plan the party. You're going to get people there. You're going to be uncomfortable in talking about yourself. And maybe it's at your house or maybe it's at work. But either way, you're the one that's going to get people together in a room and you're going to have a conversation. You're going to have fun. Remember to have fun. And if you're a controller, oh, guess what you get to do? You do not get to control which means that you get to ask somebody, ideally a supporter, to drive something forward for you. So you could ask for support, you can receive support, but you cannot do. When the best that I've ever explained this or done this is that if you picked a meal, like breakfast, that all you're able to do is sit and say, would you please make me this? So, so for breakfast, you're allowed to give directions, but you can't actually do any of it. You have to be kind and loving, but somebody else does the actual actions. You're not doing the actions because you're very great at doing, but not as great about letting other people shine. Okay. So if you're looking, if you hear any of this and you have any questions about what might be a good opportunity and homework for you this week, just reach out. Kathleen and KathleenReason.com is my email. I'd love to talk with you if you want to see that assessment to understand what that could look like for you or for your company. Just reach out. We have a lot of companies that I work with where we'll do assessments for the company and then really understand what's missing or what's working with the company and how they grow from there. So Kathleen at KathleenRacent.com is a great way to get a hold of me. If you have any questions on that, I'm happy to support. Now, next week, we are talking about leading people that drive you nuts leading people that drive you nuts. And the beauty of this is this is talking, it's, it's really playing off of what we talked about today. So if you are somebody that is working with somebody that you just can't stand, or perhaps in your personal life, you know somebody that you can't stand, this show will be for you. We're going to talk about what you can do, how you can flex. So we're going to go more into the style flexing to understand how you can show up because they're not going to change. There, you can't wish that upon somebody else, but what you can do is learn how to lessen the triggers that you have around that personality type and that communication style. Because when you do that, that'll set you up for success. The reality is that if you looked at the people around you, there was a study that was just done. Analyzers, forgive me, I do not remember who actually did the study, but it said that of the workforce, 20% are considered non-effective employees. So 20%, which actually really seems a little low if I think about that, but either way, 20%. And so if somebody like you is triggered by non-effective employees, you can't suddenly make them more effective, but what you can do is lessen your triggers around them. So that's what we're going to talk about next week, leading people that drive you nuts. So there's lots of techniques that we covered today that you can use again, real quick water sip for me. Okay. So we covered so much today. And what my intention was for today was that you would understand what your style is. I want you to really dig into that, understand that, use that homework that I just gave you. <coughs> Excuse me. Use that homework that I just gave you to understand that complementary style, the style that's across from you, so that you can grow in this area. If you're leading a team, understand what the communication styles of the teams that are around you. You've got to know what your team members are, because this uncovers where your in the words that we typically use strengths and weaknesses are, but not just individually as a team. 
because we have our own strengths and weakness individually, but we also have strengths and weaknesses as a team. And once we understand that, that's when we can grow. So self-awareness is really important, but so is team awareness. And oftentimes I think we pick self-awareness over team awareness and not even know that that's a thing, but we can actually grow when we understand the communication styles of the people around us, when we know what's standing in their way. Now, there are so much that we can grow on from here. And again, we'll get into it next week. But if you know that you show up as a heavy promoter and that your teammate shows up as a heavy analyzer, remember, your teammate's not going to change. This is about you, how you show up, and how you can flex into other styles. And this, when you first start practicing this, it can be a challenge. It can be really, really uncomfortable. I get that. That's why it's great to have a coach by your side or somebody that gets this. So that's the role that I play for a lot of companies because this stuff doesn't come naturally. If it came naturally, we would all know it. But the reality is this isn't taught. I have a double major in advertising and accounting. I have been to lots of courses. I have a CPA license. I've worked with Fortune 50 companies, Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 250 companies. I have coached and consulted all over the world. And let me tell you, I learned this through emotional intelligence training, not through my high school, my college. I, I didn't learn it in a professional certification training or a professional education setting. I learned it outside of that. And so what I want you to know is it's okay if you don't know this stuff. It's okay if it's uncomfortable. It's okay if you've got to dig into it. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. I do this for my family. I know the styles of my children and of my husband. I gave you a few indications of what my husband is and I'll let you guess. I told you that I was a higher promoter. I'll, I'll let you guess what my second one is. But the more that I practice this, the more even it becomes. The easier it is for me to flex and to show up based on the person that's in front of me. It has nothing to do with who I am or my style. It's about what they require. And when you can do that, that is phenomenal leadership. And I invite you into that because it's totally possible. So join me over these next few weeks as we dig deeper and explore this. And if you have any questions, again, reach out. I have assessment tools available to use this to dig in. I'm happy to support you in what you're seeing within yourself or within your team so that you can grow. So just reach out Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I thank you so much for being here today and every day. We have got incredible lineups with guests and with topics like this. So if there's anything else that you want to hear on the show or questions that you have, feel free to let me know. Thank you so much again for being here today. I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.